0: To Deep Impact, a proud member of the Doof Network we dive deep into our Bo's most tattooed work five years on. Coming up next is Elliot Diebold. And that was Ruben Morehouse. And we pick up Subordination 6.7 with Blake responding in possibly the most level-headed way that he possibly <laughs> could to Rose's pr- proposition to summon something bad.
1: Yeah, I mean, I have to agree. Uh, like, this is this is a big step, though. Like, He's just hearing Rose out, which I think on a level is... It's all she really wants a lot of the time, like just for Blake to sit down with her and hear her side of things. Uh, yeah. So like, I was very happy for that.
0: Um, maybe yeah, especially... I-, <laughs> I think, I think it, most of it, it feels to me like it's kind of like 85% because Blake has just been called out very recently on not, not hearing Rose out enough though.
1: Yeah. I, I think, I think 85% is about right. Uh, Cause... Like, Blake talks it up to, oh, I'm, I'm so tired right now, I'm just too tired to be surprised, mm. but that feels like an excuse he's telling himself. Um, yeah. But, but especially soon we find out that she doesn't actually want to summon a demon, she just wants to summon something that's like, you that know. That people think
0: is a demon. Well,
1: that's bad, <laughs> but not actually a demon, and like, I don't know, that seems like the sort of information you lead with um yeah f- to me like because she sets a <laughs> real bad tone for the first half of this conversation and then she actually gets to the crux and says, like oh that's not so bad maybe that was intentional like you know lead lead make it seem real bad so summoning something like uh Midge <laughs> or or whatever doesn't seem like a bad idea
0: yeah so she gets kind of negotiated down to just summoning something <laughs> else yeah um yeah, you're right. <laughs> it, it, it is interesting that she doesn't talk about how she doesn't want actually someone to, a capital D demon for right off the bat. But who knows what she's thinking at this point? She's clearly in not a super great mental state.
1: I don't know. This seems well planned. I, I'm I'm going to stick to my theory that this was intentional to make it wait to manipulate it so that it doesn't seem as bad as it as it could be.
0: Mm, okay. We'll see. Um, we get a fun little beat as they're talking where Rose reveals that her and Evan both don't sleep. I mean, we already knew Rose doesn't sleep, but it's fun to think of them having the nocturnal crew that just hang out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was actually going to say like they need to get a deck of cards or something for for like their late night sessions, but the Mirror World probably gets in the way of that. So I'm trying to figure out what <laughs> what games would work between the Mirror World and also, the dexterity of a bird, I guess.
0: Mm, yeah. Maybe uh, I spy, as long as the <laughs> worlds aren't too different. I don't know.
1: Yeah, it's pretty limiting. Um as long I don't, as you know, that's...
0: don't I spy a sprig of holly or a thing of iron, I
1: suppose. <laughs> uh, that unofficial discussion question is what games could uh, Evan and Rose...
0: <laughs> yeah, leave your thoughts in the comments below.
1: <laughs> um... No, uh, i I agree there was just something so captivating about this thought that Evan and Rose like get to hang out in nighttime while while the, <laughs> the stupid humans fall asleep like i'm I'm picturing an episode of a shitty mid 2000 sci-fi show which is just the two of them at night getting up to mischief while everyone else is asleep and then you know they say they save the world but no one believes them because they all slept through it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You can imagine a premise for a show where they're going around at nighttime and the only thing is it has to be like nothing ever happened in the morning. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Anyway. uh, Yeah. So so Rose Rose kind of clarifies that she's uh, kind of annoyed by her lack of agency and she wants to summon a familiar of sorts. I mean, not a familiar with a capital F, but, you know, an other that can be her hands in the real world.
1: Yeah, I mean the word manservant comes up in the context of Evan, and I think that's a fair description of basically what she's <laughs> after. She's she's after yep. a pair of hands that she
0: has control of, uh, indirectly yeah. at least. Um, um, ro- rotating her mirror, things like that, things that she just can't do.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I I mean she's sort of right when she says like back way back when they first started talking about domains and familiars blake did sort of say oh well when i get a familiar they'll be able to help you too and uh like i mean that clearly hasn't worked out like evan you know isn't really dexterous enough to hold up a mirror as she points out
0: (laughs) yeah i yeah i i mean i I don't know i think i think it's something that she does need but maybe the kinds of things that she's summoning um (laughs) are are not they have a lot more functionality than just holding up a mirror. Like, if she just wanted someone to move around stuff for her, I'm sure there's a spirit of a murdered butler or something that would make for a great other. I, I don't know if yeah. you have to go all out and summon, you know, some of the creepy things that we see later in this chapter.
1: No, you're right. There's a bit of a discrepancy between what she talks about here and what she talks about summoning later. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I guess when you have access to a diabolic library uh yeah that's that's yeah, where your of, mind goes
0: yeah yeah everything looks like a you know
1: yeah I, I don't imagine rose senior had much in the way of butler uh stuff <laughs> like you know <laughs> yep, listed in the library
0: others, yeah. <laughs> yeah for all we know there's like bad others are only like one tenth of all the others out there there's <laughs> there's also really helpful ones but you know <laughs> granny thorburn just didn't give a shit about those. Wow.
1: Well. Yeah, but also, like, Blake and Rose haven't really met any of them yet that's either. Well,
0: well, yeah, no, that's true. Maybe their karma's
1: all- <laughs> bad. It's all the good ones. Just avoid them.
0: Fair. Um, so, uh, finally, Rose gets around to saying she's not talking about summoning a demon, just something malicious <sighs> that everybody thought was a demon, which is, I guess, better. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um. Yeah, I mean, I-, I got the impression from what she was saying here that when she says people used to think they were sort of demons, she's talking like the Dark Ages, yeah. Uh, which, you know, obviously in the Western world, it was a pretty fucking superstitious time and the church was ruling. So, it kind of makes sense that everything not good was labeled a demon back then. Yeah. Uh, like, even goblins and stuff, probably. like, And that kind of, it gives me historical context as to why something like the hyena would be a diabolist's job. Which sure. has still been something that didn't really feel right to me. Like, it seemed more like a, a Maggie, well, not Maggie specifically, but...
0: You know, yeah. something more the like that. The goblin queen kind of. Yeah, thing. yeah. Um, you're right. <laughs> Maybe I'm being harsh by saying that they're just the same thing. If everyone thinks it's a demon, but I do think that perception is is important. And and you get the idea that you get the sense that. Uh, granny thorburn kind of wrote about people still contemporarily thinking a lot of these things are demons right i I definitely got that sense
1: yeah it's definitely it also seems to be one of those things where belief fuels it a bit like if everyone thinks you're bad and a demon then it becomes a little bit true or truer uh so yeah yeah, i mean yeah I, i think i think you're right before it's it's a if you're a hammer everything looks like a nail type situation where rose has a, a <laughs> library of diabolic stuff and so she's only looking at uh pseudo diabolic uh others
0: yeah um so rose starts kind of reading off the list of uh of potential bachelors to to summon <laughs> um they're all pretty they're all pretty unique and interesting uh things so i'm excited to see as many of them as we get to i suppose I like that analogy of them, them all being bachelors. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Behind I curtain mean, number <laughs> one, she's large, inbred and in charge. Give it up for
0: Midge. <laughs> <Woo-hoo>. No, yeah, <laughs> I, I think the bachelor analogy works perfectly because it's like, you know, they're, they're talking about it being a familiar and familiar is like a, a marriage. Sorry, Blake, but it is. <laughs> and so, you know, she's she's basically picking an arranged marriage here. Um, uh, yeah. that's,
1: I mean, there's a lot to be said about her, like where they go with this then
0: uh yeah i guess <laughs> it's interesting well there's something i want to pull out later about when midges is, is is used that i think is i don't know fascinating but we'll get to that when we get to
1: it <laughs> um yeah i i also love this line there's uh when rose is first describing one of the others she wants i can't remember which but she's uh blake says she's the sort of other you'd want on our side keeping us company for however long and rose just responds don't think i didn't hear the tone there." Um, and I love this because I totally heard the tone even before Wildbo wrote that. Like, I think that's just a great example of how well characterized, uh, Blake and Rose and their relationship is. That I was already, I was already like hearing this sort of su- subtly condescending tone. Uh, and-, right. and I love how he spelt it out as well.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're right. I didn't even realize, but I totally hear it in this sarcastic, like, she's the sort of other you'd want to decide yeah. outside as opposed to just a genuine question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, a fun little way to pull out. I mean, you know, in a written format, it's a fun way to pull out th- when these kinds of tones exist, right? Yeah, yeah, can't exactly.
1: Hear them. Um, yeah, but I was amazed because when you w- w- when Wild Bird did spell it out, I was like, oh, I-, I totally heard that already. Like that, uh, and I think that's a testament to how how well written they are. Mm. Um, there's also a bit like Blake doesn't want to kill Laird, which yeah. Rose kind of says is stupid, and oh, I kind of have to be on team Rose here. I don't know how much more Laird has to do before, mate. How many times does someone have to actively go out of their way to try and kill you before it's fair game to to do it back?
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess it's interesting cuz Blake definitely seems like he's not ready to kill anybody, right? I don't know. Yeah,
1: I mean, he's fighting an immortal incarnation, so
0: Right, like, but I think there's a distinction in his head between human and other. Right. That's like, true, yeah. Sure, he's happy to kill, I don't know, the erasure demon or whatever, but a human, oh no, they're they're special, I guess.
1: Yeah, which I mean, I I definitely would not necessarily agree with, especially in Leds' case. I yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just if this was me in this situation, I I would I probably be at the point where Leds fucked with me enough that I wouldn't feel too. It wouldn't keep me up too late at night. Uh, I think if if I had to pull the trigger there.
0: Interesting. Hmm. Okay. Well. Um,
1: so. But uh, one of the others rose lists uh, is is James Corviday. I, I think I'm yeah. saying Corviday right. Um, <laughs> and she describes what he looks like and for some reason it just immediately made me think of the mysterious man at the end of 1.2 like so going back right. to our very first episode uh where blake was attacked by the um we found out they were called Fiorgbold bold or something from the briar the bird girl
0: skull creatures, I'm pretty yeah yeah call them. um yeah
1: and, and so i went back and read the description of this man and there's not really that much that's similar like the mm. man's described as having a crooked stance, and James Corviday had a slouch, has a slouch. But I like I, I there's really not much tying them together. But for some reason, I'm really feeling it, and <laughs> uh, it doesn't
0: even seem like their their abilities are overlapping, right? I mean, Corvidé's well, the old man is... didn't
1: really do anything. Um, True. that we saw. Like it it actually got me thinking because Corviday's whole thing is he forms strong inconvenient connections, and I've been trying to figure out what he might have done to Blake right at the start of mm. the story uh that's that's fucked with him till now so like yeah i i don't know i don't know why this jumped out at me like it did but it didn't also it made me realize that the old creepy man from 1.2 hasn't really been explained
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's true i i when i first read this my my brain immediately jumped to the guy from uh from the Fell's ancestors interlude, you know the the companion, but again the the, powers the don't face really fit stealer there. guy, yeah, the face stealer guy, yeah, know, yep. just kind of a weird, creepy guy, kind of slender, feels a bit Victorian. It all kind of it kind of slid halfway into place, and then I was like, actually, no, that doesn't quite fit. Mm.
1: Yeah, well, it, it is hard to say because we haven't seen wait the old man at the end of one point two didn't do anything, yep. so yeah. we, we can't we can't really <laughs> he say could much be for anybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it may never come up again i don't know well i guess we'll see
0: yeah yeah how do you know it might have just been a creepy guy at a truck stop i mean that's not <laughs> impossible <laughs> um so rose is is kind of slowly convincing blake that this is actually a pretty good plan and mm. they're interrupted by a new guest maggie's back yay woo.
1: oh i was it's like the second she's back i just remembered how fucking fun she is like it's been so long she was since she was in the story, but she walks in with, like, jeans under a skirt and a mismatched top and yep. just immediately is sort of being sarcastic to Blake, and I was like, oh, God, I missed her. Yeah,
0: I, I pulled out one of her first lines when she's back when, when they're talking about Evan uh, having a... You know, Blake being Evan's... I mean, Blake having a familiar called Evan, and Maggie says, not a very imposing name. I was hoping for Blake's familiar to have a name like Melmoth the Sculfer. She stopped short and then frowned mailbox (laughs) 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 i don't think that will ever not be a funny joke
1: (laughs) yeah yeah it, it it's hilarious and i mean i can't believe you missed the very next line which i think is even better which evan just responds nope just evan i'm dead (laughs)
0: well,
1: yeah. <laughs> it's just such an eight-year-old way to introduce yourself it's like yeah my defining he's... trait is that i'm dead
0: <laughs> he's very to the point isn't he <laughs> um
1: mm. yeah it's it's great there's also a funny bit like a bit later where maggie can't say the word nasty and she gets real mad at i guess just the spirits or the universe or something yeah. for not being able to say nasty it's hilarious
0: yeah <laughs> it's interesting she's kind of like you know, she's kind of, um, she she trips up over her, her not swearing thing a few times here, which, you know, whatever. It's, uh, you'd think she'd know the rules by now.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I think I'd really struggle with that, so I, yeah. I kind of get it. Um, Fair enough. There's also this bit where Maggie goes to touch Blake on the cheek uh, after he says that she's his friend or or something. Yeah. I can't remember the exact thing that leads up to it, but uh, obviously Tiffany reacts to this, which is hilarious. Uh, <laughs> and, but then... I was quite interested in Maggie's follow-up. So, Maggie says to Blake after he sort of flinches and, and she's like, oh, whoops. Where well, she's like, you were calling me a friend. That makes me feel things. I don't have many flesh and bo- uh, flesh and blood buddies, you know. And mm. so, either she's, like, genuinely coming on to him a bit here, right? Or or she's shit-stirring. Or, or both. I don't know. <laughs> um,
0: Do you think she's intentionally doing this just to fuck with, like, Tiffany?
1: Uh and or Blake like yeah, yeah. Like maybe or like i don't know like the the first time i read it i i was sort of like wait is she actually like like mm-hmm. is that sort of maggie's way of saying that she is kind of interested i don't know but like, she's pretty
0: young right i don't know that that kind of skews isn't she like 17 I, 16? I think she's
1: 17 and Blake's 20 so it's not great but yeah. that's also not huge so like yeah you're yeah,
0: right it, it's not the worst
1: yeah like yeah exactly it could it could be a lot creepier
0: yeah for sure um anyway so maggie's back uh blake kind of fills her in on on everything that's been going on and and rose is kind of talking about uh her plan to to maggie and lists off more options the final option midge an inbred (laughs) kind of cave woman i guess
1: yeah like midge is basically from that really scary x-files episode like like the the one the one that's really scary where there's the inbred family uh Mm. and and so she's so inbred that she's not even really human anymore which is Crazy, crazy, awesome. Honestly, like yeah. I, I like, and it really fits in with incest being a sin. Like we saw that incest demon and it's yeah. kind of tracks us. Like it can literally help turn you into a not human.
0: Yeah, that's pretty wild, right? I mean, yeah. this to me is kind of confirmation of <laughs> perception being one of the most important things. Because I don't, I don't know. It, I think Midge, obviously, she acts quite like an other when she's eventually summoned, right?
1: Um, well, she's only summoned right at the end of this chapter. Oh, right, sure. Yeah,
0: I- I don't know. I- I don't know. This feels like per- perception- people think Midge is a demon and, oh, you know, whatever, another, and that's what kind of makes her into one? If- I don't know, it feels- feels kind of creepy to me that she was basically just a human at some point,
1: right? Yeah, well- we- the way it's all sort of phrased, there's questions about whether, like, could this happen to just a normal person? Like, if a normal person goes that much off the rails and, and does stuff in isolation, like, could they turn into a midge? Or is the fact that she's really inbred, like, a factor that means it's it's only possible that way?
0: Well, I don't know. I, to me, it's it's the fact that she's inbred means people see her and, and can easily apply their label to her. And, and yeah, more yeah. people applying the label to her is what really what really sells it right i don't know
1: yeah so maybe it's a lot easier it like well, you know it's, it's kind of like having a head start to becoming uh yeah and not quite a demon
0: yeah yeah maybe I, I i don't know it it kind of creeps me out right like yeah i don't i feel bad for her
1: <laughs> it's a pretty terrifying thought yeah yeah so and i love this line after they all start um Well, after Rose basically makes the case for Midge, uh, Blake glances at the others. Evan's expression was unreadable. Tiffany looked spooked. And Rose, Blake, Rose said, please. Mm. Um, And I just really love this as, like, one line to sort of capture everyone's feelings. Like, I feel like Evan's just fucking lost. Like, this is probably so far beyond, like, what he could comprehend at this stage. Uh, Tiffany is smart and sensible because she's terrified. (laughs) And, uh, And then, like... Rose's desperation uh is, yeah. is so well captured.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Rose's desperation kind of I don't know if this is ultimately the right decision. I mean she summons <laughs> a bunch of or she you know preps to summon a bunch of creepy shit, right? Yeah. I um, don't know. Um so I want to read out one more line where which I think is important where where Blake notices that Maggie seems excited. You're excited I said. For this yeah, she said, smiling. I couldn't wrap my head around it. Why? Um and and Maggie kind of says something to the effect of oh, I've been waiting for a situation like this for a long time. And I think yeah. Blake Blake later on thinks that something is off with Maggie, and I think these are the lines that that really start him thinking that, right? She Yeah, for sure. She I don't know, like there's there's obviously reasons that she could be excited for this given her backstory, but it does seem a little odd.
1: Um I- yeah. I mean, we obviously know more about Maggie than Blake does, because we, we saw her interlude, uh, and so we know that she's cursed to do those like three rounds of uh, like Goblin Off, or, or just like... I think the exact prophecy was like blood, darkness, and fire. Uh, mm. like I went and looked it up, and it, it, yeah, like this seems like a very good situation for her to try and check off round two, so I reckon that's what she's doing. Like She's excited because... The the way she brings up that there's rules and and structure to this, and so it's a great way yeah. for her to sneak in uh, her round two of of her uh, of her curse thing.
0: Yeah, um, I guess she's always opportunistic, that Maggie. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. At some point, while while they're all kind of talking, the plan goes from, oh, I want to summon one of these creatures to, hey, let's get ready to summon all of them. And and Blake doesn't really have a chance to object to this. We we see he's about to head outside to chat to the others. Uh, that's also interesting to me, that they, they kind of just shift into, yeah, let's summon all of them, why not? It, it's a bit of a... It, it's after Maggie
1: arrives, that there's this sort of change in the conversation where they start talking about, yeah, summoning more than one. And it's not even really addressed, like, it's just the the conversation keeps flowing and Blake never seems to stop them and be like, wait, hold on, when did we go for, like, we're going to be summing a bunch, uh, which is definitely where Maggie seems to steer the conversation quite quickly. Like, I mean, as a reader slash, like, spirit, I'm all for it, Yeah, but, uh, like, it's a terrible plan.
0: Yeah, I, and so, you know, next the next thing that happen is Blake, Evan and Tiffany kind of go outside to, to take a, a outside chat um, and... And Blake kind of says, oh, I kind of feel like I should stop this, but I kind of want to be nice to Rose, so I'm not going to, which is, (laughs) I don't know, interesting.
1: Well, Tiffany tells him that's a really fucking bad reason, and he's just like, yeah, 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 it probably is. Um,
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Blake interestingly takes the hyena outside with him as well, right?
1: Yeah, and and so actually I pulled out this whole quote because I really want to read it because it's great. Um, So uh, Blake grabs the sword and... uh, uh, why are you bringing the sword? Evan asked. Because I feel like I should, I said. That doesn't make a lot of sense, Evan said. It would make less sense if I felt like I should and I didn't. <laughs> yeah, but it would make more sense if you had a good reason, Evan said. Yep. <laughs> Which is just, Evan's just eviscerated Blake's entire methodology in one fell swoop. Yep. Um, he, he's I, straight I to the it. point that Evan. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: yeah, so about the sword, like... So, Blake, it's interesting. I don't know if Blake doesn't know why he's bringing it outside or he does, but he doesn't want to say. But he kind of puts together that as he's outside, he feels like something's off about Maggie and he doesn't trust the hyena, something so powerful, a goblin so powerful around her until he kind of puts his finger on what it is a bit more.
1: Which is crazy because it's basically the whole reason she was one of his champions. Um, Mm. Like, he talks about how he actually just wanted to call her up for help with the hyena and then, like, have her run interference in Jacob's bell, which at first mm. I was like, oh, that's a good idea, cause lead trouble back home and force him to leave. But then I realized, like, Sandra and stuff are th- still there, so I don't know how much Maggie would actually be able to achieve. Like, losing lead yeah. doesn't, like, decimate their abilities, it just, like, dampens them a little bit. Yeah. Um. But, like, Blake seems pretty convinced that something has happened in Jacob's bell since he was forced out, Um. which is ominous. Like, you know, we, yeah. we went out of Jacob's Bell frying pan into Toronto fire, and now I'm worried we're going to go back into Jacob's Bell frying pan that's now made out of lava or something.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, do you want to chuck in a speculation, Elliot? What do you think has happened in Jacob's Bell? Well, with the, I mean, with the
1: uh, Thorburn house on lock and, and Blake gone and seemingly under conquest thumb... Mm. It, like, it might have been a good time for the new Baham uh, and Duchamp alliance to have a crack and, and try and establish yeah. the being lords uh, like they wanted. I don't mm. know. I, th- I think yeah. the house was the thing stopping them from doing that, though, and the house is still there, so I don't know.
0: Yeah, It's true. I guess we'll see. Um, so, Phil comes back from his little trip with Alexis, uh, but it turns out as he's coming back, the sisters have started to make a play. Uh, there are... Tens of dolls and mannequins all kind of attacking Phil's car or standing out on the street.
1: Yeah, this is a bit of a jarring transition for me. There's a section break and, uh, like... I, I don't know exactly what it was but it took me a while to realize that things were tense here like I mm. I, I think it sort of opens with Blake sort of saying oh and then you know Phil came back and we all got in his car and then there was a problem and it kind of struck me as a bit of a past tense thing and it took me it took me a while before I realized that these dolls were actually a serious threat at first I was just <laughs> like oh Blake's just casually recounting the, the dolls and, and how annoying they are and then it was like oh no yeah. these are these are serious.
0: These are right here, right now. Yeah, no. Uh, these dolls are very interesting. They're all there are. I think five different types that all yeah. kind of do react to different stimuli to kind of track their prey. Um, basically, as a way to kind of punish you anytime you do anything, right? So, so there's like wind dolls which move if you breathe or talk. Fire dolls which just kind of slowly move towards you because they can sense your heat. Earth dolls which move when you move, water dolls which move when you use magic, and metal dolls who we don't know what they do.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, my my gut is that they'll if you try to use like technology, like when Fell fires his gun or something, oh, like yeah. that would that would cause it. Like, my using technology because that's sort of what metal represents, based on what yeah. Fell says. Yeah. Um, but it, it's like a cool little puzzle box, and it's fun watching Fell and Blake figure it out. Um, yeah. And then Blake sort of immediately ties it to the elements of the awakening ceremony, which I guess are like the equivalent of, you know, so these are the five elements of the world of Pact, uh, more or less, but uh, it primes us really well for the the later comment about wood versus metal that uh blake blake makes an immediate connection to his awakening ceremony and it's it's good to see (laughs) like it's really well done that uh blake ties them to the awakening ceremony now so that like our heads are already in that space so then wama doesn't even have to spell out the connection that blake makes a bit later uh Mm. we're all sort of we're already sort of there
0: yeah yeah it's it's a good... It's There's a few things that, it, about this that all kind of come together quite nicely, right? Um, I really do like the, the setup for this fight. It's just another... Like, you know, all these practitioner battles are all so different because basically every practitioner has their own unique power set, and it makes for a really interesting kind of set of puzzles where... It's all just kind of figuring out, okay, what does this do? How do I deal with this? Okay, how do we beat this thing, right?
1: Yeah, there's so much creativity uh, in this in this story when it comes to, like, powers and creatures and abilities. And, uh, like, is really getting good use out of the freedom that uh, the world he's created gives him.
0: Yeah. Um, I want to pull out one other quote where uh, Blake looks over to Rose and notices her attention was elsewhere, focused on Maggie. What was going on there? Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: and I mean, because this is the bit where uh, Fel says that wood is a dying element and metal is replacing it. And of course, you know, uh, Rose had Holly in her version of the Awakening Ritual and Blake had metal. So he immediately yeah. draws a connection there. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, yeah, I wonder if Rose did some old school Awakening Ceremony. Yeah, anyway, whatever. Um. But like, yeah. So Rose is like focused on Maggie, which... Like, I wonder if Maggie, because I'm convinced that Maggie's big secret here is sort of that she's trying to egg this on and make it worse to get it to count as, as round two. And mm. uh, so maybe she lets slip some of that to Rose. And so Rose is kind of freaking out because she knows that this has the potential to escalate now that it's to a escalate. prophecy thing. Yeah. Um, or, or, you know, or she's just freaked out by Maggie. Like, may- maybe not even like, oh, that things are getting worse. Just hearing Maggie's story. And it's just, you know, that'd probably be like, whoa.
0: Yeah that would be enough to kind of distract her i suppose yeah yeah we'll, we'll see i suppose um so rose kind of releases midge to fight in this battle <laughs> and it the battle begins
1: <laughs> yeah it's such a great finishing line to describe midge just like attacking the field uh, it's great yeah. yeah i'm i'm excited to see what midge does next chapter
0: yeah yeah i'm sure it will be she yeah she seems interesting uh, I think the quote is, 300 pounds of inbred muscle and fat <laughs> appeared on the street amid the shower of shards. Like, oh, shit, here she is.
1: It's <laughs> pretty fucking terrifying, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, but that's the end of Subordination 6.7. Uh, this is a fun... I like this chapter. It's It sets up a few... It's kind of like the mid-arc lull, right? It sets up a few interesting different things that are going to be happening right the weirdness with maggie we get uh, rose's new allies we get you know some new enemies to fight (laughs) lots of good little bits
1: yeah like i almost felt there was a sense uh throughout this chapter of people were talking about where the line is for them like you know we sort of we've established Mm. the rules and now we've got like sort of the first bit of quiet time and they've made this plan to try and wait it out and uh, like a lot of the things being discussed in this chapter basically boiled down to, well, what are we willing to do to keep this contest sort of going or to try and win it? Yeah. Um, it was sort of a, a recurring theme, I think, in, in various conversations.
0: Yeah, I guess, because we're thinking, this chapter, we're thinking about what what they're willing to summon, right? Um, mm. As well as we get a few conversational beats about things like, like the hyena or uh, Blake willing to kill Laird or not.
1: Yeah, all kinds of yeah.
0: things of like how what are we actually going to do here
1: <laughs> yeah like what's on and off the table and and there's there seem to be varying opinions on on that yeah. topic
0: yeah which i'm sure won't lead to any kind of conflict later on <laughs> no surely not <laughs> um before we wrap up the episode i wanted to dive back into some comments from five years ago when this chapter was first released and uh and see what people are thinking about about mm-hmm. uh, you know about the story um i was actually hoping uh, there's there's some maggie holt theorizing in here but there's less in here than i would have thought based off of <laughs> how much of a thing that seems to be in the chapter
1: i, I don't know it, from what i saw it, most people are sort of on the same page as me where they're just assuming that it's it's probably just her you know t- uh, her round two uh thing for mm. her prophecy there's pr- like there's like Probably not too much more going on. I don't know. I mean, there might be, I guess, but for me, it seems like it'd be enough for it to just be the round two, two thing.
0: Sure. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I guess that makes sense. I don't know. I, I, what did you find any comments of people? What did people think?
1: Um, uh, I, I, I didn't, I didn't really, uh, look at many of them too closely. Um, the, the sort of comment thread that I've pulled out to talk about here uh, includes comments by a users brain freeze. Negadarkwing Mian and Shiaman 3773. Uh her, so Brainfreeze kind of notes that Maggie kind of said yes when Blake asked her if she was enchanted. Um mm. something that Blake didn't really stop to clarify. Um and so he like uh, so Brainfreeze wonders if there's more that uh she's not telling him. Negadarkwing mm. kind of comes in and says well it's probably just the prophecy. Uh, and then Mian comes in and says, "Maggie should probably tell him everything because it's pretty shitty to like drag your friends into these sorts of situations blind." Yeah, uh, that's which Sheerman three seven seven three points out the irony in Blake being mad <laughs> that somebody dragged him in half blind. Uh, yeah, which I loved. Uh, so that yeah. so that was an interesting. Like, maybe some of Maggie's secret keeping here is actually meant to reflect uh, some stuff Blake has done uh, in the past. And- yeah how that might be coming back to bite him in the ass a bit. So I'll be interested. That is an
0: interesting of, angle.
1: Yeah, come at it from that angle, especially if it does turn out to just be the prophecy. That's something we know about. So it's kind of like we'll be seeing it from the perspective of we know that exactly how Blake's kind of getting screwed, uh, yeah. which is usually, you know, we're watching Blake kind of screw other people with, by not telling them stuff. and <laughs> It'll be interesting for us to see it the other way. Yeah,
0: yeah, interesting. Hmm. Um, yeah, I... I, I I kind of was hoping for a bit more wild, out-there fan theories, but <laughs> everyone was just kind of like, yeah, it's the prophecy. I mean, yeah, it makes sense. Anyway, um, so I put out a comment by Harden865, who's basically, people get talking about... Um, uh, like Inquisitors, people hunting down Diabolists, and-, and Harden kind of pulls out everything that Blake has done and comes to the conclusion that it's enough to warrant Witch Hunters and Inquisitors already wanting to hunt him down and kill him. Um, <laughs> you know, he he's obviously done some demonic summoning. He's obviously from a-, a from a Thorburn family. He's fucked with a lot of things in Jacob's Bell. He's potentially about to go under Conquest's Thumb. Like, a lot of things that are like, oh, maybe he should be put down.
1: Um yeah, well, Isadora's already talked about killing him as a mercy to him and the world. Yeah, uh, obviously, yeah. but uh, yeah, like you're right. Like he's really punched above his weight in terms of like what he's gone up against so far. So it's very easy to believe that a witch hunter or inquisitor, not super familiar with the situation, would very much read him as like fucking dangerous.
0: Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I, a lot of it is like he's beat X in a fight, which. Yeah, I guess makes him seen as more threatening, but I don't know if it makes him more likely to be kind of put down as a diabolist. It feels a bit like just because he's fought Laird a few times, he's evil, which I don't know <laughs> if necessarily is true. But I'm sure no, that's well, how it, some practitioners would see it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I get the impression that the general consensus would be: so he's from a big diabolist family line. He he has done some diabolizing. Um, yeah, and he I stirs guess. shit up. Well yeah and uh also like he's proven that he's pretty good like beating all those people in fights just kind of shows that he's a survivor and that's not really what most people want from a diabolist. Uh, so <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I don't know. hopefully this doesn't ever become relevant to the story. <laughs> I guess we'll see. <laughs> um, I, I mean it's been it's been talked about so much. I
1: it, it'll have to come up at some point. Like we had we had witch hunters back in Jacob's Bell. Like I think mm. it, yeah, it, there'll be They'll be in the story in some shape or form, uh, but I guess we'll yeah. see exactly what form that takes.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll see. Um, maybe in the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe not, probably not. There's there's already enough stuff to deal with, I think. Um, anyway, speaking of the next episode, Elliot, that next episode, 6.8, is coming out on Wednesday the 15th of May in just a few days. Mm. But if you can't wait that long to,
1: to talk about PAX some more, head into the discussion thread in the show notes below and uh, we'll talk about it with you there.
0: Yes, uh, everybody will be talking about Pact in there. Uh, If you want to get in contact with us, the best way to do so is by shooting us a tweet. Our Twitter is at podcast.
1: Yes, uh, you can also find out more details about us and the rest of the great Doof Network, of which we're a proud member, uh, over at doofmedia.com.
0: Actually, yes, while you're there, you can check out the new episode of We've Got Ward, which is uh, coming out. Um, Yeah, lots of good stuff happening in Ward at the moment. A lot of interesting detective uh, mystery stuff, so... Uh, it's very ripe for uh, for discussion and theory crafting.
1: Yeah, it's it's been a great arc to, to follow along with. Uh, and uh, you know, if you love the Doof Network and you want to help keep it around, uh, head over to patreon.com slash doofmedia. We're entirely uh, organized by or not organized, we're entirely based on Patreon
0: donations. Uh, yep. to keep us afloat. So every dollar helps. Yeah, this show definitely exists in the format that it is because of the the Doof Media Patreon, so uh yeah check it out um Absolutely. while you're there you should also check out uh Wildbow's patreon patreon.com slash he writes all these awesome stories that we uh play around with so you know he he should get some of that money too so make sure you head over to his patreon and and check it out uh throw him a few dollars for for doing what he's been doing for man a long time now right like yeah I eight think years he's ab-
1: nine years i think he's about to hit eight years which is mm. crazy uh mm. yeah like he's He's done so much, and it's all good that I've seen. I haven't read Twig, but, I mean, I can't imagine that it's bad.
0: Yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, I'm halfway through it, but, yeah, it's pretty fun. Um, Um,
1: Yeah, but I guess guess we'll see everyone on Wednesday.
0: Yep, Wednesday for 6.8. See you then.